Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Good morning, afternoon, evening, uh, midday, whatever whatever time of day you're listening to this. Hey, y'all, how's everybody doing? Um, episode 111, I've taken a month off from recording, and it feels great, man. Uh, for those of you that have just recently tuned into my podcast, and there's a good bit of you because I saw the numbers spike after a, a, uh, a couple of viral posts on my Instagram, I checked my my podcast and I noticed that there was a significant spike. So those of you that are just tuning into the podcast, welcome. Thank you. Um, hopefully, um, you'll find something, uh, in one of these 111 episodes that can possibly help you understand, uh, happiness, mental wellness, resiliency, um, the family dynamic, all these, all these things that we talk about here. Uh, I've had a lot, a lot that has happened since uh, since I've last tuned in. I want to. I'm pulling up my my tour schedule because I want to talk about uh, something really quickly, or maybe not really quickly. But so the last episode that I dropped was May 12th, and so after that, I went to Dubuque, Iowa, where I had to do two post traumatic purpose events. I shouldn't say had to. Well, I I was fortunate to do. I don't like. I didn't mean it to sound like I had to do it. I was blessed to be able to do what I do in Dubuque, Iowa. And we had two magnificent events there. Uh, it was with Dubuque County Sheriff's Office and, and surrounding agencies, um, fire, police, jailers, hospital workers, spouses, just every, anybody and everybody that's a part of this big family of ours came out. And it was wonderful. Now, I'm going to tell you, I had I had an extremely hard time um mentally when I was in in Dubuque and this is the hard part about what I do because sometimes I think it appears like I have it all figured out and that since I've been through this I don't go through it any longer and that couldn't be any further from the truth because the the, the truth is I still struggle just as much as many of you do I have just learned how uh, to manage the things that I struggle with a lot differently. I've learned a lot of self-control over the years. I've learned different techniques for myself that work for me when certain things start affecting me. So here's kind of what I'm going to get at is when I was traveling to Dubuque, sometimes my my schedule gets really difficult. And when I fly in, some places aren't really convenient to get to. So I had to fly to Chicago and then get a rental car to drive to Dubuque. And it's like a three-hour drive. But after that flight and after being up that morning, I'm starting I'm starting to get migraines really, really badly when I when I travel. And so when I got to Dubuque, 
I got to meet my contact there and uh, we went over to the venue to go over like run of show for the next day. We went, we, we did our sound checks and all of that. Long story short, after a 15, 16, 17 hour travel day, my, my migraines are like through the roof. So I go back, I don't eat well. I just want to get in the bed and sleep. And then I wake up the next morning and boom, we're in the event and it's uh it's three and a half hours of extremely emotional um, content that that I talk about in post-traumatic purpose. And afterwards, my body is just completely drained. Well, I'm a person that after the events, I don't disappear. I like to shake everybody's hand and, and thank them for coming out. And, and I like to meet the folks. What I'm getting at is this. After that event that day, I'm, I'm just done. And I go back to my hotel and I sleep. And fortunately, the next night, the, the following day, we had an event the next night. So I had the whole day off. Well, when I woke up the next morning, I'm going to tell you, I was in a bad, bad, bad place. And it was just, I don't I don't know what brought it on. Well, I kind of do. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll address that real quick. So that after that first event, I had a conversation with a, uh, with a young lady that, that evening, um, she contacted me through Instagram and she was talking about a future event. And then she went into telling me about her husband and how he took his life. And when she was telling me this, everything she said to me made me feel like she was talking about me. I, I felt in that moment, like when she was describing her husband, she was describing me. And she went into this very, um, very dark place about, about some things that he did. And it really reminded me of myself and I couldn't shake that. And that's why a lot of times, uh, I try to tell people what I've learned over the years with, with talking about mental health and, and, and struggles. It's, I can't, I can't possibly carry everybody's struggles. It's, it's, it's impossible. I used to try to do that. I would listen to everybody. I would I would encourage them. I would give advice and do this. And then I realized at some point, I was like, man, this is, it's actually really, really taxing on me. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. Well, what I'm getting at is this, the next morning I woke up, it was still on me. I was still carrying the weight from that event and from that one conversation and it had me shook. And so I went to a park that day and I'm sitting on this, uh, on this bench and I couldn't get out of my head. And I'm the guy that teaches this stuff, right? I'm the guy that teaches people how to be resilient. I'm the guy that teaches people, hey, hang in there. Uh, no matter how hard your struggles are, a uh, better day is coming. And man, when I tell you it was rough, it was rough. I'm not going to get into the depths of the thoughts, but it was it was bad. It was a very bad day for me. I left the park. I went to, they have a, uh, a very nice museum there or aquarium because it's right on the Mississippi river. And I went to this aquarium and I spent all day there at this aquarium because I would, I didn't honestly didn't want to go back to my hotel room. And you know what I, what I experienced at the aquarium, I experienced absolutely nothing. I paid 20 something dollars to get into this thing. It's a 14 acre complex. I couldn't tell you right now what I did there, what I saw there. And that's this, that's bringing me to this point. I refused to be in the moment. I was only in my own head. I was in my own thoughts. I couldn't shake 
whatever it was with me, and I couldn't enjoy my day. I was letting a conversation that I had with a young lady, I was letting all the things that I had relived the day before affect my now future. The past was affecting my future. And I had the ability in that moment to stop, take a breath, and actually try to enjoy my day, but I couldn't do it, man, because it it was just too heavy. And I was dreading going to my event that night because I was like, if I can't shake this, now what? Well, I eventually, that night, I went to the event, and I did my event, and I went back to the hotel. I went to bed. The next morning, I drove three and a half hours, and then I got on a plane, and I flew home. So what's the point? I heard a saying, and my wife told me this saying, and it says, uh, she saw it somewhere. It says, be where your feet are. Think about that. Be where your feet are. Why be anywhere else? Why be anywhere else in your mind, unless you're in your mind in a happy place, then then enjoy that. Be, be there too. But when you're in a bad spot, you're in a bad place, stop and recognize where you are and try to take in the moments. I've let so many beautiful moments pass me by with my family because I'm in my own head or I'm somewhere else or I'm, I'm thinking so far into the future, a future that I don't even know is certain that I can't even enjoy the moments that I have while I have them. I talk about this in post-traumatic purpose. I talk about how we're so good at putting distance between ourselves and our families, and we're good at building up walls and creating that distance to protect ourselves. We don't do it for them. We do it to protect ourselves because we know at some point we're going to lose them in our life. So it's a defense mechanism for us. It's, um, and it's sad because if you think about it, if anybody knows how valuable time in life is, it's, it's, it's us. It's first responders. It's people that deal in that business all the time. So what we should be doing is wrapping up our people, wrapping our arms around them and pulling them in even closer and enjoying every little single moment we can with them while we have this time. But instead, we choose to get in our own heads or our past or, or whatever this thing is, this, this, um, this, this PTSD or PTS, whatever you want to call it, it gets in our heads and we can't shake it. And we create, we'll have an opportunity sitting right in front of us to have a good day and we fuck up everybody's day. I have fucked up everybody's day so many times that I'm sick of it. I'm beyond, I'm beyond sick of it. It makes me sick to think about how many good days that my shitty day ruined for so many other people. I can be having a great day, just as all of you can, go out on the boat with my family, and it takes one little thing, one one little blimp of something to fuck up the entire day. And how fair is that to the people around us? It's not, man. They didn't sign up for that shit. But God damn it, if they don't they don't they hang in there with us, don't they? And they'll they'll put themselves through hell right alongside of us, and they they don't even understand it. I'm going to tell you what happened to me the other day. My, my, um, and then we're going to get on some other stuff. My parents came for those of you that don't know, um, that are just listening. I don't know if you've listened how far back you've listened, but I, I, um, I have a farm and my parents, they like coming up to my farm and visiting and hanging out. And so my mom and dad came up the other day and, uh, when they got here, 
some shit was going on inside my mind and I was trying to shake it and I was trying not to think about it and it was controlling me. But I was fighting it back and I was trying to smile through it all. I was trying to uh, not let it affect my family. Well, fast forward to dinner. We go to dinner that night and I'm sitting at a table. Some stuff was going on around me. I was not comfortable at all and I was zoned out. In my mind, I was in a different place. And the next thing I remember is my mom was shaking and waving her hands in front of my face. And I just kind of looked over at her and I looked over very, like extremely annoyed. And I looked at her and she actually asked me out loud. She goes, where are you right now? And my dad kind of nudged her and was like, "Uh, uh-uh, don't just, just kind of let him be. So he understood kind of something was going on with me. And in that moment, I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. I'm not going to tell you where I was, but it was in my mind. I I needed to get out of there, man. My heart was racing. I was my my uh, my breaths were shortened. I was breathing a lot quicker, and my mother was eating her dinner. She was enjoying her dinner, and I I made them rush and finish because my dad could tell I was extremely uncomfortable. And then we got in the car and we came home, and my dad asked if I wanted to be alone. And actually, in that moment, I did not want to be alone. And I knew he wanted to help in any way, shape, or form. So his way of helping was this. He didn't pry. He stood right there next to me. Our foot was on the fence. We were looking at the horses. And he didn't pry. He didn't try to find out what was going on with me. But I knew right then if I wanted to open up, I could. And so I have people ask me all the time, how do you get somebody to open up that won't? And I'll tell I'll tell them this. I don't know, but I do know the quickest way to shut them down. And the quickest way to shut them down is ask questions and start prying. But if you just stand there and you're just with them, chances are they might open up to you a little bit, especially after one of those moments. And they may not. And if they don't, don't, don't berate them for that. You know, we talk about supporting, supporting our, our, our loved ones or whoever's going through um, a mental health crisis, sometimes the best way is just being there. And I needed my father there that day. I, I needed him around me in that moment. And it helped me tremendously. It helped me. It took me about an hour and a half. I came back down and, and I was good to go. And those that doesn't happen often anymore. But I'd be foolish to, to say that you'll, you'll, you'll beat this. And, and I'd be foolish to say that you're never going to have flashbacks or issues again. Cause I'm going to tell you right back. I had a nasty, nasty flashback the other day. And it's one that I don't even want to talk about here because I'm afraid that it'll, it'll, it'll happen again. And what I'm getting at is sometimes it's hard to be where your feet are. Sometimes you are there and your mind is somewhere else and you can't snap out of that. But we have to be aware of what that's doing to the people that we love around us. We have to at least remain calm in those moments. We have to at least understand that, hey, they don't understand. So let's not take it out on them. Let's not fuck up their entire day. Let's not, when we're in the middle of Disneyland with our family, freak out and make our family pay for it and ruin their, their experience. 
I did the best I could with not ruining my mother's dinner, but I think I did a good job at, at ruining it. And look, I'm a person that knows better and I still, I still get tripped up from time to time, but I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up over it. And so I tell people, look, you're going to have setbacks. You're, you're going to have in your life when you're trying desperately to improve every aspect of your life, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall down and you just have to keep on grinding. You have to keep on going. Wow. It has been a while since I've been on here because I, um, I was looking at my tour dates and I just got back from Richmond, Virginia too. I'm sorry I had to take so much time off, but man, I'm going to tell you with, with mental health, like you really sometimes just got to pull the plug and focus on yourself. And, you know, I'm not apologizing for making myself better. I'm apologizing for anybody that's been out there waiting for a new episode to drop and, and I made you wait a month. I do apologize for that because I know that fucking Yellowstone show, they've been doing this to me every year. They'll They'll pump out episodes and then they'll just stop pumping out episodes. And then you have to wait eight months for the the, the next four episodes. It, it's been driving me crazy. So if you've been waiting, thank you. Thank you for hanging in there. Um, went to Richmond, Virginia, man. We had an amazing event there in Richmond, Virginia. We had a collaborative of um, uh, all first responder agencies from three, four, five, six counties around that came out to that. And, uh, Man, yeah, I can't I can't thank everybody enough for the overwhelming support that that they showed in Richmond and now I'm gearing up getting ready to go do a keynote presentation on post traumatic purpose to the Massachusetts I can't even say Massachusetts. The you know I can't spell Massachusetts. I'm so fucked up with Massachusetts even spelt my auto correct is asking me. They're giving me that emoji where the the person's holding their hands up like I don't even know what you're trying to say. Um, I'm going to Worcester, Massachusetts for the biennial Massachusetts International Association of Firefighters Conference. And um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be speaking to a crowd of over a thousand firefighters uh, at this event and taking my family up there for a couple of days. And that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm getting ready to do that. But that's going to bring me to this next point. I was uh, I want to ask you. Everybody always tells, you know, I've heard people say this, man, I wish I could hit the lottery. I wish I just had an opportunity. I wish I had one golden opportunity and I could make the most of it. And I, and I like to sit there and I think about what the fuck would you do with an, with a golden opportunity? I don't think most people, I think most people would fuck it up. I really do. I really do. I think people are programmed and human beings are programmed for safety, security, and comfort. And they get comfortable in their own misery. Hence that. Um, that episode that I did in the very beginning called Comfortable Misery. I think that people are afraid of evolving. I really do. And they're afraid of uncertainty. And that's bullshit. If anything, I think that you need to welcome the world into your world and grow as much as humanly possible. Try new things, experience new things. Don't say no to things until, like, well, I shouldn't say not no to things, but don't be afraid to experience. Don't be afraid to grow. I watch people all the time, man. And when I go to these grocery stores, they're, just, they're, they're throwing their fucking money into a fire, scratching off lottery tickets, buying the, the Powerball tickets. Yes, you, a one in a trillion shot at getting it. Good. I hope you do win it. But what the fuck are you going to do when you do win it? Chances are you're going to be broker than you've ever been because you don't know about money. If you're spending money, you know who doesn't spend money on on lottery tickets? And I'm not saying there's not one out there. But you know who doesn't really spend money on lottery tickets? Rich people. Most rich people don't do it. 
I'm not saying they won't go get a Powerball every once in a while. But you don't see rich people rolling up into the gas station, buying 5 and 10 and $20 scratch-offs daily and weekly. You don't see that. You know you see doing that? Ignorant people. People that are just willing to throw their money away. We were at a gas station the other day, and my daughter's, there's a man in front of us, and he was buying up every scratch-off he could. And I'm just sitting there thinking, if you won that, if you hit any of those, you're going to be broker tomorrow than you are today because you don't know how to, you clearly don't know how to control your money. And my daughter was like, Daddy, can we buy one of those? And I looked at her and I said, no. I said, absolutely not. And I gave her, we pulled her to the side and gave her a little lesson. I was like, look, if you're going to spend your money to gamble like that, that's just, don't even get me going down that road. Here's what I, this is, there's a point I'm trying to make here. All right. And I'm not calling you an asshole if you're out there playing scratch off. So don't, don't send a bunch of hate my way. Do your thing. But if your house is in order and nobody's suffering at your house and nobody's wondering where the next meal's coming from, but if you're bitching about the, the price of gas and you're out there throwing away money on scratch-offs, yeah, you're fucked up. You're backwards, all right? If you can fill up your tank every time you go to the gas pump and not look at the pump, you can go buy a scratch-off. If you're sitting there trying to squeeze every little bit out of that damn pump when you go when you pull up to the pump or you're putting $3 of fuel in your car and going and buying a $4, $5 scratch-off, you're fucked up. There's no way around that, all right? This is what I'm getting at. What would you do with a golden opportunity? What would you do if somebody walked up to you right now and said, I can change your life right now, and all you have to do is make a phone call and walk away and be willing to walk away from everything you do right now? What would you do with that? What would you do with that? Because that's what just happened the other day. This is why you can't help people. Me and my buddy Randy, we talk all the time. And uh, if those of you that don't know who Randy are, Randy's my best friend. All right. And if you listen deep into these episodes, actually, I have an episode with Randy on here. We talk all the time about this stuff. Like, I think that. So many people hope for things that if they had it, they wouldn't know what to do with it. There's a point I'm trying to make. Here's it, here it is. I'm sitting at a I'm sitting at a restaurant one night when I was in Richmond after my show. I was at the hotel. And I went to dinner <clears throat> and I'm listening to one bartender talk to another. Right. And I'm listening to this girl complain about her work schedule. I'm listening to the point where I can hear she's unhappy with her life. She doesn't like where she is in life. Okay. She doesn't like the hours she works. She doesn't like the four jobs that she works, but she does it because she has to make her rent. She didn't have a car. Her car broke down. She didn't have money to fix her car. So she's Ubering to work every day. All right. She's in school for this degree. She's selling life insurance. For two years and hasn't made any money because she's just learning the trade. And once she establishes her, I don't fucking know, her clientele, what I heard from this girl was this. She's unhappy, but she's committed to punching a clock for other people. She's committed to giving her time to everybody else and not getting anything in return for it. She's committed to working two years for some insurance agency and putting money in their pocket left over right 
and not putting any in her pocket. She's a hard worker. She's a she's a person that has a work ethic like I haven't run into a lot of that lately. There, there's a reason to there's a purpose to this story. As I'm sitting there listening, she said something. I'm not gonna say who or what. She said something that I picked up on really quickly. And when she said this, I realized I could have a hand in helping this girl and not pulling out a checkbook or anything like that. But I could give her an opportunity. I could introduce her to an opportunity that would change her life in a snap of a finger. And I'm not going to say what that is because I don't need a bunch of people jumping on this thing and just blowing out of control. Here's, here's, here's what it is. I think that my path or I think my course put me on a course on collision course with this, this woman. I really do. And it put me in a collision course to really put her in a, give her an opportunity to put herself in a, in a life changing position. Okay. So when I heard what she was saying to this other girl, I started talking to her and I asked her, I said, let me ask you something. I heard what you said about X, Y, Z. And I said, what if, what if I told you right now? And I know this sounds too good to be true. I said, what if I told you right now, I can give you someone's number, not mine. It wasn't like that. I said, I can give you somebody's number and you can make a call today. And I said, and all of that goes away. I said, all you would need to do is relocate, which wouldn't be far. It was like a hundred miles away. I said, all you would need to do is relocate. And I go, and you will immediately walk into a six figure salary. And she looked at me and says, how would that be, be possible? I said, because what you just said, I know somebody in that industry that's looking for someone just like you right now. And it just happened to be one of those timely events where I had a conversation with somebody literally not long before that, that was, if you ever meet somebody like this, and this was the girl, this was, this was the girl. And she's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I would love that opportunity. This is, and I said, listen, all you got to do is call, call this person. I gave, I gave her their info. I said, all you got to do is call them. And I go, and your life changes tomorrow. I said, tomorrow, it all changes for you. I walked out of there. She didn't even know my name. I walked out of there, called my, called my associate, the person that I know. And I said, Hey, I think I found your person. And I said, uh, be on the lookout for a call from this young lady. And that person told me good to go. Here it is three, four weeks later, no phone call. And that's what I'm getting at. It's not like I was trying to, um, impress this young lady. She doesn't even know my name. I, you know what I mean? It wasn't one of those situations. And I told her that I said, look, I'm a married man. This is not, this has nothing to do with anything. I said, you don't, you don't, I'm not looking, you don't owe me shit. I was like, just call that number. And and if you want to change your life, there it is. And I walked out of there thinking, man, this girl's life is going to be completely changed, but she never called that number. And I get it. Maybe it sounded too good to be true. But when she was complaining about her life and complaining, I wish that I could, you know, find something better and et cetera, et cetera. What are you going to do? And maybe I got too long winded on that, but I think that's classic human being behavior. 
when we don't know and when we're so uncertain, we'd rather stay in a shitty situation than to take a chance on something that could be better. And that's why people just stay where they're at in life. I've, um, I've had people joke about, about my, my past as far as like my career changes. And they're like, dude, you can't stick with one thing. And I'm like, dude, why? When I'm done with something, I'm done with it. Go on and grow from it. I mean, use it and grow from it and become more and keep doing things and keep, keep evolving as a human being. I was never that kid that I didn't want to grow up and, and do the same exact thing for 30 years. Now, when I was on the job as a firefighter, I love that. That's not the same thing every day in, a, in, a, in the police. That's not the same thing every day. That's exciting as shit. That's fun. But I couldn't imagine going to a, a job, like a real job and sitting there every day, nine to five kind of thing, looking forward to five o'clock and clocking out and coming back and doing it again tomorrow. I mean, that, that, that was never me. I didn't want that kind of life. I'm not saying it's a bad life. It's just not for me. And just like, you know, the emergency services is not for everybody. People need safety and security. People need comfort. But don't bitch about your fucking life if you're not willing to change it. Don't bitch about your life if you're not even willing to explore opportunities when they present themselves. I tell people all the time, and I say this in my book and Create Your Own Light, windows of opportunities will present themselves in your life. It is up to you to go through those windows. I guarantee you, most of us listening to this episode have had opportunities presenting themselves in our life, but we were too afraid of discomfort to even explore the possibility of something better. To even to even give it a second thought. Let me tell y'all how I almost had to dive in somebody's ass. And, and this is this is what I talk about. Celebrate, celebrating your little and your small victories. When you're in a mental health arena, if you will, if you're if you're battling this stuff daily, you have to work on the little things and you celebrate the little things. I had an extra sip of coffee one day because of what this dude did to me and how I did not react to him. I'm sitting in a hotel lobby in Richmond. I was getting ready to check out that morning and I'm watching. Um, I'm, I actually, when I came in to sit down, the lady tried to sit me next to a bunch of people and I'm not a person that likes that. So I said, can I sit over there in the section that y'all have closed? And they were, had it closed because they didn't, for whatever reason. All right. And she just looked at me and I said, ma'am, I can't, I can't sit around all these people. I need, I need to really need to be over there. So I went over there and there's a television and I'm sitting there watching it. I'm having my breakfast and this hotel worker comes up. I was sitting for 20 minutes, just enjoying my breakfast, sitting there, having my coffee. And he just comes up without any consideration and just turns the channel, just walks over, turns it and leaves. And I actually scooted my chair back. I went to stand up and I sat. I said, you know what? Sit down. I said, sit down. What about what I'm about to do or say is going to make this situation better? Is it going to make it better? Is it going to make it worse? And I immediately knew the answer to that. It's going to make it worse because there's nothing that was going to make it better. Nothing. And as simple, as simple as just having a little bit of courtesy for me, would have went a long way. But then I thought about it. I said, you know what? There's a lot of discourteous people and you can't fight them all. You can't combat them all. 
You can't have something to say every time somebody's discourteous to you because you know what? It'll exhaust you. That's the world we live in. There are discourteous people everywhere. You know what I've actually realized? I've realized, and I actually walk out, I think about this. I'm like, you know what? When somebody actually shows courtesy, I just show appreciation for that because it's so fucking rare now that it makes my day. So now I'm not even puzzled really when people are discourteous. I actually expect that. I don't want to be that way, but it happens all the time. And I used to confront it, confront it, confront it. And what I found is I'd come home in a confrontational mood. I would wake up in a confrontational mood. I would go about my daily routine in a confrontational mood because I was just expecting people to be discourteous and people to be off-putting and people to be rude. So now I just don't do anything about it because what are you going to do? You can't fight them all. So I sat back down and I started watching the show that he put on. And you know what I thought about in that moment? I changed my perspective, which I also talk about in post-traumatic purpose. I instantly changed my perspective. You know what I was watching? I was watching the news that morning. That's what they had it on. They had it on Fox News in the lobby. And I was sitting there watching it. And when he turned it, I immediately thought, fuck you for not having courtesy for even asking if it would be okay to change that channel, you motherfucker. That's the way I was thinking. And I was, no, I ain't going to say that. (laughs) But then he put it on something different. And you know what he put it on? He put it on a happy channel. And I sat there and I laughed a little bit. And I said, you know what? He just did me a favor. I saw that as discourteous. But what he did is he actually did me a favor. He took toxicity out of my life for me. His discourteous attitude or whatever you want to call it, took that toxic news cycle out of my world. And he put it on something happy. And I sat there smiling. I took my last sip of coffee. I stood up and I checked out of the hotel and I left. And I had a great, great day. Now, if I would have confronted him, I'd have confronted him. I'd have left and I left pissed off. I'd have been in traffic that day pissed off. And who knows how that would have unraveled. People come up on your ass on the interstate and flip you off. Fuck them. Let them. Let them. Get over it. Move. Smile about your day and go. You know what else I realized? As I become an old man... The music you listen to, and this is going to make me sound really old, it affects your mood. I used to listen to, you know, a lot of um, harder, like um, rock music, um, gangster rap when I was younger, all this stuff. And I found that when you're going down the interstate and you've you got some gangster rap on, somebody pulls up and they flip you off, it, it impacts you a little bit differently. There's a psychological thing here. I'm no doctor. But the way you react when you're listening to that kind of stuff versus listening to uh, Dave Ramsey on um, his, his um, investing show or when you're listening to some kind of like nice music in the background, it affects your mood and it affects the way that you react differently. Think about that. When you're headbanging the whole way home or gangster rapping the whole way home and then you pull up to your house and any little thing that somebody does uh, annoys you, think about the mindset that you're in and think about how do you, I mean, how do you listen to that shit and then come home and 
yeah, there's an argument waiting for you or there's um, somebody does something discourteous at home that you think is disrespectful and you just got got done listen, listening to some shit about clipping some fools. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how are you going to react? These are all little things that I use daily to try to be in a better mood. These are things that I exercise daily, constant maintenance that I do to try to set my family up for success because of what I go through. When I'm when I'm driving home, when I'm 30 minutes, 45 minutes away, if I'm listening to something that I know is probably not productive for them, I will turn it and I will put it on something to start hopefully changing my mood a little bit. I encourage you to try that. I encourage you to do that sometime. And, and and watch the impact it has. Put it. I've actually listened, so I don't I don't know Spanish, but I love their music. You ever go into a Mexican restaurant and and how you can't sit in a Mexican restaurant and be unhappy with the music that's playing? You feel like you're on vacation. I will turn it on one of those stations, and I'll be happy for the last 30, 35 minutes on my way home and feel like I'm walking like in into a Cinco de Mayo at my house. It elevates your mood. You got to do things that elevate your mood. Think about some ways that you can elevate your mood and elevate your family's mood. And start working on that. I want to take you back to Dubuque, Iowa, where I, I was um, I was eavesdropping on another conversation. Because <laughs> I spent a lot, of, a lot of time in hotel restaurants. And there was a young lady talking to the bartender. And they both, the other young lady worked there too. And she was, guess what, complaining about her life. Now, I just listened. I didn't say shit. But she was complaining about her life. She was 18, okay, working four jobs. Her mother is single. And she's helping her mother out, pay rent. And I'm listening. She's like, I work four days a week at this job where she was uh, hostessing. And she's like, I... And then I have another job on Mondays where I go and I do 12-hour shifts there. And then she's on the weekend. She's working like two other places. I mean, so she had four jobs working seven days a week. And I was listening to the bartender give her advice. And I was listening to this this advice this, this bartender gave her. And she goes, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And the little girl said, I don't, I just want to be able to pay my bills. And the bartender then looks at her and goes, well, I don't know what factory it was. She goes, well, you should go look into the factory, okay, down the street. They're paying like $20 an hour, and I think you'd only have to work five days a week. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm like this poor girl. That's probably the best advice she's received in a long time, and that was horrible, horrible advice. I understand her commitment to her mother. I can understand her loyalty to her mother, but I can tell you this. If you are in an area that does not provide opportunities for you, better opportunities for you, get out. Go somewhere to where if you want to take care of other people, go to a place that has better opportunities for you. Because that girl got excited about that factory job, and I fast-forwarded it, and I was like, man, one day she's going to be my age, and she's going to still be standing on that assembly line working, and it's not going to be enough for her because she's going to get caught in that trap. She's going to get caught in that 9-to-5 trap or that shift work trap, 
where she's always working for somebody else. I'm not saying don't go get a good job. I'm not anti-job, but I am anti-putting money in everybody else's pocket and robbing from yourself to do so. That's what I'm against. I'm against people not seeing their true value in themselves. Again, you got another young lady who is not afraid to work, but that's the problem. See, this system that we're in, and I know I know this is true because I've, I've heard this from more intelligent people than myself because I'm not an intelligent man, but I'm, I, can, I can read between lines. The system that we're in is designed to hold all of us back, okay? And what I mean by that is our school systems, they create workers. They teach us how to become worker bees. They teach us how to clock in. They teach us how to ask for bathroom breaks. They teach us how to go on scheduled lunch breaks. What do you, That's an indoctrination to the workforce. What they do not teach you in school, they do not teach you finances. That's for a reason, because we learn our finances from our parents. You think I'm bullshitting? Go listen to that book by Robert Kiyosaki, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He'll explain it in depth. The workforce is designed to make us workers. It's not designed to make us leaders. It's not or excuse, excuse me, school is, is designed to make us workers, not leaders. There cannot be more bosses than there are workers because the system wouldn't work that way. I would love to be able to elevate people's thinking to a point where they can see something in themselves, find what they're good at, and go out there and make a living from it and be proud of that versus working four jobs, making four different corporations or four different bosses, letting them go out to dinner with their families because you're out there putting money in their pockets. Fuck that. Fuck that. We are capable of so much more. I know this from personal experiences. I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. I worked three jobs. I worked four jobs. I would work. I would go to the fire department and I would scrubbing a fucking bathroom floor for a man for $6 on my day off, $6 an hour when he came in and talked to me like I was a fucking dog. And I threw his toothbrush down because I was scrubbing grout lines on my hands and knees when I was a professional paid firefighter at City Charleston. I'll never forget this. And I threw that fucking toothbrush down when he disrespected me like that. And I said, you clean your own fucking grout lines. I'm not doing this. And that's when everything changed for me. I walked out of that store that day, and this is I'm I'm I've been starting to write a little bit on my second book. Um, I don't know the timeline on when that second book's going to come out, but it's going to be completely different from my first, and it's going to talk about my level of thinking growing up poor down south, and how like I was never around educated people. I was around very good people, but my thought was that. I had to be educated to get a good job and to have a good life. And I could not have been any further from the truth. All I had to do was believe in myself. That's it. If y'all hear these frogs outside croaking, I can't, there's nothing I can do about that. We just had a heavy rain and they are all over the place. My mindset was there, nobody graduated college in my family. All right. Nobody went to, had a higher, um, higher level of education in my family. So I just thought, Hey man, I'm just supposed to get a job and I'm supposed to work. And then that's going to be it for me. But when that man treated me like that, that lit a fire under my ass. I said, I'm always going to be this guy if I don't change this. And I got to start believing in myself because I always thought I was dumb. I always thought um, I was dumb for a reason because I actually tried to get into college and they told me no. 
And it not only no, it was pretty insulting how that happened. And I'll, I'll explain all of that in my book. I actually had to have a, when I finally did get accepted to one little college, I had to have the lady in admissions felt so sorry for me because my transcripts were so bad that she actually wrote a letter on my behalf posing as if I wrote it because I couldn't even write. And here I am years later, wrote a, a, a pretty damn successful book. It's not, you can do anything. This isn't a bat, a back patent session. That's not, that's not this. It's not that I want to see more kids come from these situations where they don't think that they deserve more. They don't think that they can do more. I want to see more of them come out and do something with their life because I know they can do that. My heart broke for that girl. And I, you know what I thought, man? And I, I didn't butt in because there's nothing I could do. There, I mean, there was nothing I could do. Like I wasn't in a position to give that girl the phone number to the person that could change her life. That just, it didn't work out that way. And if I could, I would in a heartbeat. But I know what her future holds. Sometimes you just need positive influence. Sometimes you just need somebody to help you think outside of the box that you're in. We surround ourselves with people that think like us. So when we do, how do we grow outside of that mentality? How do we grow outside of that box? It's very, very difficult. You ever notice? I, I, everybody wants to be rich. I hear that all the time. Yeah, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. And what would you do? And what are you doing to get there? And I'm talking financially rich. I'm not talking um, emotionally. I've heard so many people of course, over the course of my life bitch about money and talk about what they would do if they had it. Well, why don't you have it? Why are you holding yourself back from having it? If you think about it, it's the mentality that you have is why you don't have it. Because chances are, oh, I don't have enough time. You don't have enough time because you're giving your fucking time to other people. You're giving your time to whoever you're working for and they're stealing your time and not paying you enough for your time. And you're never going to have enough time. And that is the cycle. It is designed to keep us Working for the man. How did this go from mental health to um, a financial advisory thing? I don't know. Um, let me switch gears. This is something else I had to work on the other day. It made me extremely uncomfortable. I was in the barber's chair because I, I stopped going to sport clips because they've been fucking my hair up. And it was the cheapest place to go. It was like 28 bucks for a haircut now. And I never let anybody cut my beard, but I found this place called the Outlaw Barber Company in Goose Creek, South Carolina. If you're ever in this area and this, they, they're not a sponsor, but let me tell you something. These people, these dudes, they, they're legit. They know how to do hair. I I, anyway, long story short, I'm in the barber chair. Okay. This is like the third time I've been there. And they're going to cut my beard. And the guy leans me back in the chair. And he's never done this before. He starts putting the uh, the hot shave stuff on my on my, um, on my my neck. And he's getting ready to shave me. He has me laid back. But then he walks off. And I'm laying there in his chair. I'm like, all right, I don't like feeling vulnerable like this. Somebody could walk in the do- door with a bazooka right now. I can't really see if I'm laid back like this. So he comes over. He takes his hot black towel. And he lays it over my face. And people, when I tell you I wanted to come out of that chair, 
it took everything I had in my body to relax. And I realized he had the water running behind me uh, in the sink. I felt like I was getting waterboarded. It was extremely uncomfortable. The towel was soaking wet because it was in a steamer. Think about this. If he poured water on my face, I would have been waterboarded. I was laid straight out. They had water running. They just laid this hot towel that was moist over my face. If he would have poured water on me, I would have been waterboarded. I mean, I was at the cusp of it. And again, I start breathing hard. I'm, I'm about to start freaking out. I don't like this. I feel extremely vulnerable. But then I thought to myself, I said, Travis, everything's okay. You're not in danger. Chill out. And I laid there and I calmed my breathing down. See, where we, where we fuck up is when we let our brain start running wild out of control and we don't rein it back in. It's like a horse that takes off running when you're on your back, when you're on their back. Well, if you don't pull back on the reins, it's just going to keep running. So that's what I had to do. I had to pull back on those reins a little bit. And I laid there for about two minutes with that thing on my face. And I thought to myself, I was like, all right, this is just a challenge. You can overcome this challenge because everything inside of my body, it was fight or flight right then. And I wanted to, I, I wanted flight. I wanted out of that situation. I wanted to spring out of that chair. And I realized everybody in that barbershop is nothing like me because for them, it's just another, another client in a chair with a towel on his face. And if I jump up and start freaking the fuck out, I'm the bad guy. They would never understand it. I could never sit there and make them understand why that made me uncomfortable because everybody comes in, they get that treatment, I guess. I don't know. There's nothing I could have done. There was nothing I could have done or said that would have justified me jumping up and freaking out, throwing that thing off my face and causing a scene. There's nothing. I would have just seemed like a crazy customer. Think about that. There are things that affect us, and if we react to it, we are the bad guys. We are abnormal. And people just don't understand what it is we're going through. I want you to think about that the next time you're uncomfortable. I want you to stop. And I want you to breathe. And I want you to think, am I really physically in danger right now? Chances are no. And then you have to have the mental capacity to say, how do I control this? And it starts with your breathing. It starts with your thinking. It starts with understanding your environment. Okay, there's nobody in here right now that's posing a threat to me. I'm not in danger. How do I keep calm? And how do I keep from negatively impacting everybody around me right now? And think about, is the reaction that I'm about to have going to make this situation worse? Or is it going to make it better? And there's your answer. There's your answer. I just put out a post on uh, Instagram last week, and it's um, it's went pretty viral. It's, I think like seven hundred thousand views on this thing. I think I guess that's viral. I don't know, but it was talking about the way that we talk to people that we love, and I've had so many people hit me on the inbox and in the comment section. They're like, "I do this, and I talk negatively. How do I change this?" And right there, I've, I had to quit responding because it was the same answer over and over and over. And hopefully these people just go read the comments and they're like, okay, that's how. You know what you're doing. Once you, once you understand and you own that, you're in control of it. Once you know you're doing that, just stop. And how you just stop is like this. You ask yourself, 
is the reaction that I'm about to have going to make the situation worse or is it going to make it better? And if you do anything in your life that makes your family worse off, you're wrong. So don't do whatever you were going to do and don't say whatever you were going to say. If it's not going to build the people up around you, don't do it. That's it for this episode. Um, I'm glad to be back. Uh, hopefully I won't take another month off for the next one and, um, we'll just keep on, keep on getting after it. I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for the support. All of those folks that are brand new to this podcast. Thank you again for, for tuning in. Um, there's 111 of these things. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are a little bit, uh, more funny. Um, uh, I don't think we, I don't think we told too many funny stories in this one, but I do appreciate everybody. Uh, coming up, I'll be in Boston on the um, on the 11th in the Mansfield area. Those uh, there are there are um, spaces available. Uh, just just hit me up on Instagram. I'll shoot you over the links. Uh, I have a, let me let me just pull this tour schedule up real fast so I can tell you where I'm at. the The one I'm at in Massachusetts this week is going to be that's a private event. But I got Boston on July 11th. I got Mansfield, Madisonville, Kentucky on July 24th. I have Roanoke, Virginia on August 17th. Springfield, Illinois on September the 6th. Reading, Pennsylvania on September the 9th. Plymouth, Minnesota, that's a private event on September the 19th. Martinsville, Indiana on September the 21st. I have Carthage, Illinois, September the 23rd, Cobb County, Georgia, September the 29th, Ridgeland, South Carolina, October the 4th, Naperville, Illinois, um, that's going to be a private one in um, October the 11th, um, October the 28th, Los Angeles uh, County Firefighter Association, that's actually a private one for Los Angeles, and my event in Hawaii, This is, here's the funny part. I actually have a, a private event in uh, in Hawaii. I have had, I, I guarantee you, a hundred something messages. How do I get tickets to the Hawaii? I want to make a vacation out of it. Everybody wants to come to Hawaii. Nobody wants to come to Illinois. It's hilarious, right? So, unfortunately, the one that I'm doing in uh, in Hawaii is for the federal government, and that's for a leadership course there. And they're not letting anybody into that one, so I can't say what agency, but it has three letters. So you do the math on that. All right. Thank y'all so much. I love y'all. And hopefully I can't wait to see y'all at an event. Talk to you soon.